Healthcare organizations provide a service to our patients and communities, but the stakes are much higher than other service industries. What we provide has a direct, often long-term impact on the health and well-being of those we serve. So, how do we provide the best service of the highest quality? With compassionate team members, targeted focus, and a patient-centered approach. I'm Rachel Lott. And I'm J.J. Hodgeyer. And this is Rural Health Rising. Welcome to Episode 23 of Rural Health Rising. I'm J.J. Hodgeyer, President and Chief Executive Officer of Hillsdale Hospital. And I'm Rachel Lott, Director of Marketing and Development. Providing an excellent standard of service has become more and more important in the healthcare world. From nicer lobby furniture to full-on dinner parties, hospitals and health systems are finding new ways to enhance the level of service they provide to their patients. And today we're going to talk to one of Hillsdale Hospital's very own who spends a lot of his time directly providing great service to our patients, but also coaching, leading, and guiding others in our organization who do the same. Our guest today is Dr. Kurt Recker, Medical Director of Outpatient Primary Care Clinics for Hillsdale Hospital. Welcome to Rural Health Rising, Dr. Recker. Well, thank you very much. I'm very happy to be here today with you guys, and I understand we're going to talk about a number of topics today. Yes, and they're exciting topics Yeah, because they're very important to us in the communities in which we live. Right. So, Dr. Recker, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and your work uh, at Hillsdale Hospital? All righty. Well, I'm a proud Michigander, a graduate of Monroe High School, a couple counties over in uh, Monroe County. Uh, I am married to my lovely wife, Yolanda. We have, uh, I have two daughters and then two stepchildren, a stepson and a stepdaughter. Uh, also stayed uh, in college locally, went to Alma College, uh, was a science major up there, played football up there, and from there went to med school. Unfortunately, had to go out of state for that, went down to Missouri for a couple years, and then finished up my clinical training in the metro Detroit area in the Henry Ford system. Um, I put some roots down in my hometown where I practiced for a little over a decade. And then, uh, like a lot of things, you you want to stretch your legs. You know, you, things get a little stagnant. You want to try something new. So uh, after a stint of being employed uh, by Prometica, I decided I want to do something where I could still challenge myself and take care of people but have some administrative duties. And, and I kind of like that avenue. And I worked for a company for a few years as a medical director. And I actually had a territory and traveled. The allure of traveling eventually wore off. <laughs> and when you start driving 2,000 miles a week, that, that uh, got to be a burden. And I was missing some family time and things like that. So mm-hmm. decided to get back into a traditional venue and uh, went searching and – uh, came across Hillsdale, and they were looking for someone um, you know, that was kind of lined up. They were looking for the services I provided. They were looking for a medical director and uh, someone to work in the clinics, and then also uh, with the uh, promise of expansion of duties and change of duties and evolution of duties um, to include administrative uh, work. And, uh, and it's really progressed over the last almost four years. You know, it has, Dr. Recker, and uh, I think we need to tell our listeners that, uh, well, you spent some time in jail. <laughs> and uh, I'll qualify that. Uh, I knew you, and uh, I also uh, was uh, responsible for overseeing a jail. But you actually ran numerous jail health systems in Michigan, or was it just was it all around the country? Well, the company actually was a nationally based company uh, based out of Peoria, Illinois, and they had accounts in 17 states. My states were Ohio, Michigan, and Indiana. Wow. 
and it was uh, county jails, not prisons, just county right. county lockups. Right. And and we were in charge of uh, facilitating their care while they were incarcerated, which is you know challenging. Um, but I got a good experience working with so many different people. Oh yeah. Uh, different uh, nurses and and, oh, sure. and other APPs, uh, and it was just a very good experience. Um, I had people that directly answered to me. Um, I really helped my problem solving skills. Yes, I'll tell you quickly, that right quickly. Yes, yes. In middle of night calls. Yep. Kind of and, and, issue going and, on. and the thing is, you had to balance, you know, uh, the needs of the patient, uh, the inmate. Uh, Versus keeping jail administrators happy, the right. sheriff happy, and the cost of uh, and, those services. Yes, and, yeah. Well, and that's you, and that's where I really became more focused on the dollars and cents, and and how to be more efficient and effective uh, when providing that care. Well, you know, I want to thank you because you've been a great ex- asset to Hillsdale Hospital, and you know, now that we've established who you are and a little bit of your bra- background, we want to start with a why. Uh, we do this on every episode to get to know our guests just a little bit more. So, Dr. Recker, what is your why? What motivates you? What gets you up out of bed in the morning? Well, at the end of the day, this this started back when I was leaving college and had to decide what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. And there were different paths to choose. And I ultimately chose medicine and because I enjoy helping people. And, you know, you see people in their worst you know, when they're hurting, they're sick, and you make them feel better. And ultimately, that's that's how it started and it has grown from there. Building upon that, now what I enjoy is I really love my, my job and my work. I enjoy the people I work with. Um, we're really building something here at, in Hillsdale, and I like being an active part of that. The outpatient programs at Hillsdale are ever-expanding. Since I've been here, we've opened up, um, you know, well, we opened countless, up, yeah, right? we, we opened it feels up another like countless, clinic, right? and then we acquired another one, right? And, right, just and moving very quickly. So it, it's really, and I enjoy being a part of that. Yeah. And so, so for Doctor Recker, Rachel, it's not just a cliche. I want to help people because oftentimes when I interview individuals, nurses, and get, get ready to give applications for our scholarships, and then we bring those folks in and we interview them. You know, we often hear, "Well, I just want to help people." That's wonderful. That is at the basis of what we do. Um, but he truly lives it. You know, um, oh, yeah. from a personal experience, you know, I had the opportunity to refer my sister uh, to see Dr. Recker. She had not uh, used uh, any local health care, uh, and he was one of the first um, to work with her to get her the treatments for her cancer and give her a referral pattern to, you know, a cancer center. And um, so he truly lives uh, helping people and making sure that they have pathways uh, beyond just rural health. We'll talk a little bit more about that today, but uh, we certainly know that that is an important why, but it's one that you live every day. So uh, we look forward to our discussion here today with you. Thank and you. I think our, our patients would echo that same sentiment. I've heard lots of good things from our patients about, about the care that you provide. So we can trust that because they're the ones who know, right? Absolutely. So, Dr. Recker, you've been a practicing physician for many years. So you've spent a massive amount of time on the front lines providing great service to your patients every day. Uh, what makes this level of service uh, or the patient's experience so important that it would be one of the five key pillars of our hospital when we think about service? Can we just ask our staff to be nice to our patients and just <laughs> walk away from that? Because after all, they'll just be nice, right? Nice will get you so far. But with what we do, we take care of people. And this, the actual pillar there is providing quality care. You know, And, that, and that's um, meeting national standards. That's practicing evidence-based medicine that's exceeding benchmarks and standards that have been put forth. And it's hard sometimes because 
those those standards are ever changing and the bar is always rising, so to speak. But at the core, that's what we do. We provide medical services and we have to do it with a smile and we have to do it even when we're not having the best day. And well, this morning I got into HH, Hillsdale Health and Wellness, which we call HHW. Um, and the, apparently overnight they had worked on the firewall. And as a consequence, mm. none of us could work on Epic, oh. which is our charting system. So, oh, no. so our, our day got off to a rough start, um, but we, we pushed through and, and took about two hours for them to get it back up and running uh, as it normally does. But And unfortunately, in rural health, it's not like we have a team of 32 IT people, right, running over. Uh, it's probably you on a phone waiting for one of the persons to get back from IT from the hospital because we're dealing with other issues there. But uh, that's, that's the nature of rural health, right? Exactly. That's, that's what we do. And it's and it's really good in Hillsdale. It gets even more complicated in our in our really rural clinics in, in Litchfield and Reading where they don't have great signal and, and other things that, that can be a confounding factor. You know, Dr. Recker, we often hear uh, when, I, when I'm out and I speak at organizations and I have people come up to me even in the grocery store and say, you know, JJ, your people are special. And I firmly believe that they are. I mean, you, you, Rachel, you've worked in a system before. And Dr. Recker, of course, you've worked in a huge system. Um, you know, I think – I don't want to just, you know, be biased here, but I think our people are special at Hillsdale Hospital. You're not biased. Okay. I've seen it. I've seen, seen the difference. Yeah. And how about for leading teams, Dr. Recker? I mean, you've led many healthcare teams. And be honest. I mean, Hillsdale's unique. It certainly is. And – um, that's one of the things that attracted me here, too, was um, when I first joined uh, the hospital back in my hometown, I was part of a small independent hospital that had a large system come in and take it over and, you know, didn't kind of like where that went after that. But Hillsdale, I saw in Hillsdale what I had seen in my original hometown hospital that was small and independent and has every intention to stay independent and operate and serve the community. You know, we're, really, we're the only health in Hillsdale County. Yes. I mean, the, the, yes. the hospital and the clinics. I mean, there's some outside comp- sure. competitors sure. that have clinics, but sure. we have the only hospital. And, absolutely. And, uh, so it's truly the people. Yes, absolutely. And, and we see it. And it makes a difference every day. And uh, your presence in the clinic leading them has been phenomenal, by the way. So thank you for your service. So in your role, Dr. Recker, how do you take control of that service pillar and integrate its importance into your everyday work? I know you mentioned quality. And that's truly the foundation of service. You can't provide good service if you're not providing great quality. And we have a whole pillar on quality, too. But when it comes to the, you know, you make sure that quality is there, that's your foundation. And when it comes to the service piece of it, how is that quality service being or care being delivered? Where is the access to care? That's part of that service piece. Um, you know, how do you take control of that and make sure that's a focus in your everyday life? You're, you're leading a team that does that across Hillsdale County. Um, And also you're caring for patients actively yourself throughout the day. So it's not like you're spending your day being able to focus on, okay, let's see, how can we make the service the best? Because you're in it and doing it at the same time that you're leading and coaching your team. Absolutely. And the thing is, it's it's ever evolving. We're always trying to improve. So if we find something doesn't work, then we'll revisit it and change it to make it better. Um, I'm in a unique position. Um, I tote the line. Um, I am a provider. And I work with nurse practitioners and physician assistants and other doctors. But then I'm also part of the senior 
leadership team, the administrative team that has been put together here at the hospital. Right. And so I told that line, I'm kind of unique. I'm the only one that's kind of in that position. There's a couple of nurses that are on the senior leadership, but I'm the only physician. So I have to tote that line. And I actually found myself enjoying it. And it's a good balance. And because of my years and years of just clinical stuff and then switching over to being having some administrative responsibilities, um, it's a unique opportunity. In the time I've been here, uh, we put policies and procedures in place on how we board and, and, and room patients. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're trying to streamline that process. And you have. We're trying to uh, optimize our scheduling in terms of how we allocate time. Mm-hmm. You know, certain certain visits will take longer than others. Um, t- typically, if we're doing a Medicare-type annual wellness, we try to allocate enough time because a lot of information that we try to cover, and we try to maximize that. And we're trying to expand our service line and actually expand our availability. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to dive into some of that as we go along. Right. But even beyond primary care, we have you know, ortho and surgery and neurology and, and we can go on and on, and we're trying to maximize those potentials. And we're trying to keep as much of our care local then, too. People don't want to travel. Right. People that live local, they don't want to travel to Jackson or, you know, or Ann Arbor or wherever. Right. They'd right. rather, if they, we can get it done here, we can. And, I, and I'll tell you, that's, we tend to do in a rule-based clinic more than we would. My previous clinic experience mm. was in a suburban area. Right. And I had access to specialists here oh, and yeah. there and everywhere. And it was you know, much easier. It is much more challenging in this environment. And that adds well, to it. Do you mm-hmm. find yourself dealing with more complexities on your own? Because you can't refer them off to specialty. So you're dealing with, you know, where you would have the availability to send someone, you know, that's, uh, you know, diabetic, that's brittle and, and to specialist and specialist. But you're managing those cases and you're managing now in large part mental health needs in our communities. That's I was going to bring up that as a huge element. People don't realize that the number of cases of mental health that we have to deal with. Now, we do have um, members, you know, partners in that, but access is hard. That's a hard it's area. Difficult. Diabetes, endocrinology is another area. Um, so, yes, it is very challenging. We have to take those on ourselves. Not beyond our comfort level. And I, you know, right. all the providers I work with, I not still beyond your scope, right. but, exactly. right. but when you maybe would be able to more quickly make that handoff, you probably are doing more of that. And I imagine your experience in the jails and having to get creative really translates well into the rural environment because you do, like you said, you have to do more problem solving, think outside the box. Absolutely. And there, there are some parallels because while the incarcerated, you know, they they're, they don't have access to their money and we do take care of a lot of folks that don't have insurance right. and you know, are poor. And so the, so there's some, some, there's some parallels there and, and you can use some similar treatment mo- modules mm-hmm. And, and, mm-hmm. and thought processes um, with that. So let's talk. So, so we've been discussing challenges, right? So let's talk a little bit more about challenges. Um, you know, Dr. Recker, what would you say is the most challenging part of providing service in an environment today? And I want to set the stage an environment today where no show rates typically are high in rural communities, right? 
uh, individuals don't show up for their appointments and you don't either get a call from them or you you get no call back from them and then they want to reschedule that appointment. That becomes somewhat concerning. Uh, Also, you have a great deal of noncompliant patients, right? You send them away, you give them a prescribed method and unfortunately they don't follow that so they end up either back admitted to the hospital or in your practice again in worse condition. So how do you balance all of that in a rural community where those challenges exist, where transportation is very difficult to even get to your local physician's office. How do you balance that and still keep such a high standard of quality uh, in the care that you give? Well, it's, it's, it, as you point out, it's very difficult. And we try to use the tools that we have at our disposal. Um, we have uh, in our employee at our HHW building, we actually have a health population nurse who, who is very helpful, especially in our older population particularly. She works with Medicare mm-hmm. patients. And she's very helpful. Uh, we work together. We collaborate all the time. Uh, we actually do work, uh, we have a formal referral process. Right. And we'll get those folks. Uh, so they'll meet with me. And then they'll also get another, you know, 20 to 40, 60 minutes, whatever's needed yeah. with, with the healthcare nurse. And so she's going to walk them through post-discharge either at a hospital or even from your own clinic and, and making sure that they have their social needs met too, Right. That Isn't is that correct. part of what she does? That's correct. And actually, we've started, we just actually started this uh, initiative as part of uh, the rooming process, gauging people's uh, responses to social determinants. Right. Um, and like I said, the, the challenging part is it's always an ever-moving target. Sure. Mm-hmm. The, the target sure. is shifting, moving, the standards are raising. Um, and when you're dealing with people with different personalities and different experiences and biases, it makes it hard. Well, and Dr. Recker, would you say, so you see individuals coming in, uh, and one of the biggest challenges that I've shared that we face is, you know, access to to uh, transportation, um, access to, you know, just getting to their pharmacies. And so, you know, that's got to be a challenge for you in rural America, you know, and, and you, you had a captured audience in the jail. So let's yeah, take that aside yeah, because yeah. they, you know, they were required by the administration of the Department of Corrections of each of those respective states to make sure that they have certain, you know, things are met for them and medications, one of them. But out here in the real world, right, you know, these are individuals that may not have the funds to get their medication. And I'm sure you have seen a time or two individuals that can't afford to get their diabetic medication. They can't afford to get their blood pressure medication. How do you, how do you manage that? Well, depending on the circumstance, for example, uh, we do service a high Medicaid population and a lot of the Medicaid programs uh, do allow uh, for medications to be covered at low to minimal cost or zero cost, depending on what the medications are. Um, there's also a lot of um, pharma- pharmaceutical companies have patient assistance programs, which we which we assist. Right. right. You know, it's it's extra step. There's paperwork that needs to be filled out and such. But yeah, uh, other challenges for transportation. There are there are transportation agencies available. Actually, several of the Medicaid's actually will arrange for transportation for their for their patients. We also have several pharmacies in the area that do delivery. Yes. So. You make do. Like I said, you have to kind of, it's not always cookie cutter, and you have to sometimes get creative. Um, I know a certain story, a certain CEO who just took office, and over the holidays, there were some patients that needed discharging, and there was no other transportation available, and this CEO came in and actually 
transported the patients home himself. Oh, wow. What a guy. I tell you. That's awesome. Sounds like a fantastic guy. (laughs) (laughs) But that's just a perfect example. It's rural health, right? Yeah, that's correct. It's what we deal with. That's a case in point of, uh, you know, what's done. And how many times have you made a referring call yourself to another physician of specialty and said, hey, I've got this patient here? Because that's what we do in rural health, right? Mm -hmm. You know Dr. McCreary, and so you may call up Dr. McCreary and say, let me explain what's going on. You know, typically in a a bigger system, it may get lost in our EPIC system, right? Our EHRs, our EMRs, and we post a note in there, and then we kind of walk away from it. But relational is important in rural health. Absolutely. And if I needed to, and we do it where necessary, I could pick up the phone and say to our ortho guys, hey, can you work this kid in? Or our surgeons, hey, can you see this person, you know, tonight? Or even in our HHW building, I walk back Dr. Wachi, who's also, he's internal medicine, but also endocrinology. Right. And say, hey, I have this person here. Their, their thyroid's way out of whack. I need some help. Can right. you help me? Right. You know, so those are the types of things. That you Absolutely. Just, you got to be adaptable. and Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, when we talked, this makes me think about our um, episode four, I believe, when we um, talked about economic development with Eric Doden and one of the things he said about how can hospitals have an impact on economic development in their communities is to be the convener and to bring people together and to make the connections. And so that's on the big scale and the community as a whole, but we do the same thing with our patients on that, you know, ground level of connecting them with those resources you mentioned, like which pharmacies have delivery because you know this patient's going to struggle to get their medications without that. They need transportation. You know how to connect them to that. We do a lot more of that connecting and, you know, bridging those gaps in the environment that we're right, in. Right, absolutely. So service also goes beyond, you know, the experience of the patient and those connections that we make for them into, like we've talked about, what services the patient has access to. So when you look at our community in particular, what is patient access like? Where are we doing well? And what's our next best opportunity to provide more care for our patients? I would say overall, it's it's pretty good. And, and ever improving. Um, I know most patients uh, in, in our rural clinics, Reading and Litchfield, usually can get in very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, we're trying to expand our product lines and available services. We're actually um, underway trying to get some additional providers. Additionally, and I think we're going to dive into this uh, in more depth, telehealth is huge. Mm-hmm. And I could tell you when I was out with COVID a couple months ago, I was able to do a lot of work from home, including patient care through the telehealth uh, venue. Which is so cool. Yes. We're, we're actually trying to get a provider um, back on board semi-full-time. Um, she she has some health issues herself and can can only – she cannot be face-to-face and person-to-person contact. But she, she we're trying to get her set up for uh, telehealth primarily and through, out of our HHW clinic. So, you know, Dr. Recker, you brought up telehealth, and so we might as well just jump into it. It is something that is on the minds of every administrator across America uh, as they try to figure out the newest platform to reach their patients. Now, for example, uh, we are a system, very small rural hospital. Uh, If you don't know who we are, we're in rural Michigan, which is uh, near the border of Indiana and Ohio. Um, we suffered just like many other hospitals across the United States during COVID where individuals just stopped coming to the emergency department. They stopped going to their primary care. They felt that if they went to these places, surely they'd catch COVID, right? And if they contract COVID, their life is ruined. So they stay away from those places. They, they did not get the surgeries they needed. 
Uh, in some states, they couldn't get the surgeries they needed because the governors of those respective states or the legislature ended surgeries for a period of time. We fought that because we knew what the intrinsic value of that was to keep the patient healthy and whole. Um, but for some states, you know, they continued down that that vein. People became uh, much more ill uh, as a result of this and didn't have the access that they needed. So, you know, one of the things that we racked our mind with early on is how are we going to capture that audience? Because they still need to see somebody, right? You can't wait any longer. So why don't you explain to our listeners the journey of a small rural hospital <laughs> as it relates to implementing telehealth? And I don't know, I've never asked this question, was our introduction the first you've ever had to telehealth? Yes, it was. All right. Yes, why don't you explain to our listeners, there's going to be physicians listening to this uh, throughout the United States, and maybe they're getting ready to start it. Why don't you give us you know, your interpretation from the minute we had to launch this, which was, by the way, within 24 hours, the minute we launched this, and what the experiences are. And don't be afraid to tell us if it, you lose some, some care during well, sure. this period. So go ahead. Well, the, the process, uh, you know, of course, the first thing you have to do is find what platform or venue you're going to use because there are specific requirements that it has to meet. Um, one of the things that allowed us to do it so quickly, too, is standards that were in place were relaxed. They were. There was Before COVID, there was very specific criterion, and most people didn't meet that. Correct. When, when COVID hit and they, they said, okay, you can do it for anything, and... For right now, it's still in place. And, it is. And we don't know how long it's going to be that way, but we we're going to enjoy it as long as we can. Yes. Sometimes after Pandora's box is open, it's kind of hard to, to put it back right. in. So. Right. But once we got the venue we were going to use, uh, the next we had to come up with a, a template uh, that met all the, all the bullet points um, that you know Medicare puts forth um, that has to meet these requirements. And so we put a template together. And then we put it on our uh, Epic platform for charting. And then it was just a matter of implementing it. And there's a growing growing pains, like anything, a learning curve. Mm -hmm. And it was well-received initially. Um, there seemed to be a surge. And that was at the height of, of the fear and the panic that, uh, that went with that. Um, as a clinician, I could tell you it's not as detailed, obviously, as an in-person visit. You can't put your hands on the patient. You can't listen to their heart. Um, but most of the time, you know, my job is if you listen to a patient, most of the time they'll tell you what's wrong with them just based on the description of, of what's going on. Right. But it's not always. But but most of the time you can sure. at least get an idea what's going on. And so that was a very valuable tool. Um, we are expanding you know, we, we actually have some plans in place, hopefully down the road, to get more detailed remote monitoring. So maybe we'll, we'll see. But for right now, some patients have the ability to give us their blood pressure, their pulse, uh, their temperature. We record what vitals we could, and then we dive into, you know, why we're seeing them. And it's set up now that we prefer to do it via telemedicine where there's a picture and we're looking at each other. Right. But we can also do it telephonically, meaning we just do it on a telephone. Oh. I even had to adapt a couple times where they could see me and I could see them, but the audio wasn't working. Oh, yeah. So I picked up the phone. Yeah. So kept the oh. picture and we're talking on the phone. So, you, again, yeah. you, you got to Talk adapt. about getting creative. You, you, you got to adapt. Well, in, Michi in Hillsdale, you know, some of my own managers tell me that they don't even have access to their email at home because they have no internet access. And that's a challenge, right? Absolutely. Trying to take care of that patient population Absolutely. who they don't have connectivity. And and if a, a, a big city slicker is listening to this podcast, you know, they may 
What? You don't have access to internet? Yeah, we have go Wi-Fi. home and kiss your Wi-Fi router tonight because you have no you idea. You have no idea <laughs> how loyal that thing's been to you. Yep. Because in remote parts of our country and even in Michigan here and in Hillsdale County, there are individual pockets in our community that do not have access. And so that's a challenge, right? Yeah, we've actually contemplated uh, at our clinics having a few different iPads available where patients can actually just pull into the parking lot. We hand them an iPad or some yes. type of tablet, mm-hmm. and we do it that way. So like I said, there's different ways we're looking at this. Absolutely. Um, but, yeah, especially in, in reading Litchfield, um, much more ch- even more challenging than in Hillsdale proper. Yes, it is. Um, I know when I first started, my, my cell phone had no, had no service right? Uh, until I got tied into the clinic's Wi-Fi, mm. and I was able to, to get some service that way. But, um, but in, the, in the last couple months— um, I, I probably average, I might in a busy week see five to seven telemedicine. Versus where did you, where were you in the height of COVID? Would you see 10 a day, potentially? Not a day. Um, a week. A, you know, we're talking 10, 15 a week at, at okay. the peak. Okay. You know, even with that, you know, some people just preferred to still come in. It, it, even during COVID, right? We heard that. We, we, we're going to meet our doctor. We're going to be physically in that room regardless. There, there, was, there seemed to be, for a while, there was no middle ground. Either people were scared out of their gourds and, and— Just wouldn't come in. Or there's their business as usual. I'm, yeah. I'm just going to come in and see yeah. the doc. Even in the midst of trying to encourage them to utilize the platform, and uh, they, they chose not to. But that's a right we allowed them to reserve, which is very important. But also giving the flexibility with telehealth is something I think is here for the future. Absolutely. Well, it provides uh, uh, added coverage. You know, for example, we have one neurologist. Well, when he's not around now, because of telehealth, we have the ability to do neuroconsults via that platform. Ortho, same thing. There's so many applications going forward um, that that we potentially could use. Service lines that, that we are weak in, you know, service, you know, there's certain, for example, I know we're working to get more ear, nose, and throat coverage. We are. But there are just certain things that we that we don't have readily available. So telemedicine can be a, a good bridge for that type of thing. Absolutely. Well, Dr. Recker, once again, we want to thank you for joining us today on Rural Health Rising. I want to thank you especially for your leadership in our clinics. You have been able to uh, be a powerhouse for us. You have cleaned up our policies. You've helped us establish rural health clinics in each of these centers. And now we're at one of our centers up north. Uh, We're looking at uh, getting that qualified as a rural health center. It's very important for small rural hospitals to get that designation for additional reimbursement. You've been instrumental there. You've been instrumental in building up a great team of what we call APPs, Advanced providers, and they've been fantastic. I think if you look at that group of individuals, they're they're the main support for you. Absolutely. I agree. All the, the nurse practitioners and PAs that I work with are top-notch, and we've developed a good working relationship and, and mutual respect. Well, I think of our, our uh, you know, caring commitment community. And when I think of those three things that you can find on our website and you know, on our letterhead, uh, I, I think of what the work that you have done in the clinics strengthens, you know, our caring and our commitment to the community uh, and to the community in general. And so thank you very much for your time today and uh, for spending it with us. I know you're busy. I know you have to get back today and take care of our patients, which is a great thing. But I just want to thank you for your leadership and for being part of this program. Oh, well, thank you. And it's, it's easy when you enjoy what you do and you enjoy the people you work with in the community that you serve. And now for our favorite part of the show, the voice of the patient. Today, we have a testimonial from Nina, 
who was a patient at our orthopedic clinic. Here's Nina's story. In 2011, Nina received a knee replacement. During the surgery, her femur was broken and then reset. As the years went by, the leg continued to hurt to the point where Nina could no longer stand at her sink to do her dishes without having to sit down multiple times. She also had to move out of her home to an apartment without stairs and stop driving. I couldn't stand the pain. It was unbearable. I was not living, said the Camden resident. Although Nina had been told there was nothing wrong with her leg, she decided to come to Hillsdale Hospital and talk to someone in orthopedics. It was quickly discovered that there were major issues with her knee and lower leg, and she immediately went in for surgery. Nina could not be happier with the results. It's a miracle. I have a brand new knee, she said. The doctor fixed the bone in my leg and straightened my leg. I never thought I'd see that leg straight again. Nina stayed at Hillsdale Hospital for a month to recover from the surgery and complete the rehabilitation process. Within three or four days, my leg was already starting to feel better, she said. Nina worked hard on her recovery during her stay at Hillsdale Hospital and was impressed with the staff. Once she was home, a machine had been delivered by Hillsdale Hospital to continue her therapy, which she used every day. Now she's able to walk around her apartment without a cane and is even able to walk up and down stairs again. I have no pain, she said. I don't know how to thank the doctor who did my surgery, Nina said. I really want to let him know how much I appreciate him. I would recommend him to anyone. You know, Nina is a great example of a patient whose daily life was impacted so significantly by the care that she received from us. You know, she had all this damage to her body from past procedures and to be able to come into our orthopedic clinic and actually get something fixed that she thought she was just going to have to live with for the rest of her life that has now changed her quality of life um, is such a powerful story and such a great thing to hear. Before we close, Dr. Recker, we like to do a fun segment with each of our guests. So we want to know what is the most rural experience that's unique or one of your favorite memories that is unique to rural life? I actually have a couple things that come to mind. I'll keep it brief. When I first came to Hillsdale, we had one clinic in Reading. I got to meet a lot of rural people. You know, it was culture shock at first, uh, dodging uh, some Amish buggies in the morning sometimes, <laughs> large large farm equipment. It's tough. Other you got to be careful coming over you know, those hills. You got to be tough. So, yeah. you know, that, that was, you know, culture shock there. Right. But then um, I met a lot of people who were, who were hesitant, never went to the doctor, very stoic. And I met uh, a gentleman a, uh, who ran a local family-owned business and was convinced by his significant other to come in to see the doctor. She was concerned. Long story short, he had some issues with his swallowing, and, and it was really unusual for his age. And long story short, he had, he had a, a type of cancer that involved the esophagus into his stomach, and it was very unusual at his age. But now four years removed, he's doing well. He's had the surgery and appropriate uh, cancer treatment, and he's doing well. Um, 
So that was my first memory that was very favorable. Now, as far as rule experience, uh, I will, and I learned this from one of the, the uh, APPs I work with, uh, Randy Padell, and talk about service to the community. We had an afternoon, we were supposed to be working together and, and afternoons plugging along and I haven't seen him. And I told the girl, where is Randy? Well, he had gotten a call, someone who was homebound, couldn't get out, and he went and did a house call. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You don't Almost hear about a lot of. of that anymore. Almost unheard of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, of all our providers, he does the most. I've, I've, I've only done a couple, but um, that, you know, I had never, never even occurred to me where I used to work yeah. in, in a you know, metro Detroit area. Yeah. You may never, not even be allowed. You, you'd you never know? see that. Right. Or, you know, some people would say, I'm not. I'm not going in that yeah, environment. Yeah. Right. But a very commonplace, and you know, all of our APPs are like that. Actually, the two, you know, Paige has, has been known to do things like that as well. So they set the tone. And, and so th- those are two such stories, I think, uh, speak volumes of uh, the community here. And how rural it is. Dr. Recker, thanks for joining us again today on Rural Health Rising. Thank you very much. Next time on Rural Health Rising, we'll talk about quality with a leader who has quite a bit of expertise in this area, as well as a long-standing connection with Hillsdale Hospital. So be sure to tune in. And as a reminder, we are collecting patient testimonials to be featured during our Voice of the Patient segment. If you have an experience to share about the positive impact you or your loved one has had as a patient at a rural hospital or healthcare provider, call our direct-to-voicemail line at 269-447-1265 or email us at marketing at hillsdalehospital.com and share your story. You just might be featured on a future episode of Rural Health Rising. And with that, don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. And if you like what you hear, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and tell others why they should listen too. Your feedback helps more listeners find Rural Health Rising. Until next time, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay strong. Rural Health Rising is a production of Hillsdale Hospital in Hillsdale, Michigan. Hosted by J.J. Hodshire and Rachel Lott. Audio engineering and original music by Kenji Ulmer. Special thanks to today's guest, Kurt Recker, DO, Medical Director of Outpatient Primary Care Clinics for Hillsdale Hospital. For more interviews like this and more information or to share your patient or family testimonial with us, visit RuralHealthRising.com.